impact, income, and influence. If you want to talk about a challenge, I've got one for you today. EGAL works in the pawn industry, something that I think most of us would say is probably synonymous with kind of the underbelly, maybe a little bit sleazy. But EGAL is turning that on its head by training pawn shop owners, coaching them in leadership, community development, and company culture, and he is absolutely revolutionizing the industry. This episode is something completely different, focuses on things that are way outside the box and is super fun. Enjoy. Impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy on the internet. My name is Steve Warner, your host. I am joined today by, I wanted to say Pawn Stars, but it's not Pawn Stars, Egal, who runs, what, what exactly is it called? Pawn Leaders. Pawn Leaders, where he helps pawn shops grow their income, but really he is all about leadership. Uh, I wanted him to bring that up. Uh, Egal is in a mastermind that I am in and he, he speaks on leadership like nobody else. It is his true passion. We are going to see how he runs his pawn shop, how he helps other pawn shops make a lot of money. And at the end of the day, teaches them all leadership. Egal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. No problem. Um, so side note, Egal is getting ready to have a baby on Monday, and he took time to be here. So give him a round of applause. Thank um, you. It's only because I love you, brother. That's it's <laughs> the only reason. Only because I love you. Awesome. So tell us, I want to know how one gets started in the pawn industry. Like, how did all this happen for you? So there's, there's three ways somebody gets started in the pawn industry. One is that it's uh, kind of in the family. So I'm a third generation pawnbroker. My father, my grandfather, my uncle, my brother, the whole family's in the business. That's one way. Second way is if you're an employee and you're a manager and the owner has nobody to sell it to, so they kind of sell it to the manager, they own the pawn shop. And the third way is some people invest in buying pawn shops and like the business model, so they get into the pawn business. I'm number one, like I said, I'm third generation. Uh, my father had stores starting in 1985. And my brother and I, we opened up our own chain of pawn shops because there was just way too many captains on that ship. Got it. So you, what year did you open your own? So my brother opened up his shop. It's actually his 20th anniversary this year. 2021 is the 20th anniversary. And he brought me on in 2002 really quick. I was a rock star. I was a singer. I was on stage, but I was broke. And when my brother said, I need somebody to help me with like the mark, the marketing, the accounting, I was like, man, I can make some money and still be a rock star. And then it just morphed into me being his partner. So for those of you who just heard him say rock star, if you can't see him, first off, Egal has the rock star look, but you were actually a rock star. So let's just talk about that for just a second. Talk about your band and like where you were at, because that's a big change, right? Yeah. 
so out of high school, I formed a band with my high school buddies and uh, we were doing really well. We opened up Woodstock 99. We were on Warp Tour, for those of you who remember that, a couple of years. Um, the drummer who drummed for me is now the drummer of Nine Inch Nails. Uh, and we were just touring and having fun and, and, and really just being on stage and groupies and songs and records. And, but we weren't making a lot of money, right? So I was a rock star in my mind. But in the bank, I was a broke rock star. <laughs> just, yeah. I just wasn't there. But it was a time in my life, man. I, I learned so much about speaking and a stage presence about it. So. Awesome. So you went on, you start working for your brother, but then where did Pond Leaders come from? Like, talk to us about the story. Cause I know you worked for, you did the thing with your brother and then you went out on your own to do this, which is a big step. Yeah. So I started working with my brother part-time because I always told myself, I never want to be a pawnbroker. I hated that my father didn't have time, worked seven days a week, 14 hours a day. We rarely got to see him. It was like business, business, business all the time. You know, he provided, he was a great father, but he just didn't have any freedom. So I was like, I just want to be a rock star. I, there's no way I want to be a pawnbroker. And as my brother brought me in, uh, you know, one day a week became two, then three, then four. And then I was working seven days a week, 14 hours a day. Um, at some point I got married and I was working and I, and everything I said I wasn't going to do is exactly what I became. So my wife sat me down one day and basically said, Hey, Gal, um, we got married seven months ago. I didn't get married to be alone. You need to figure this out. Nice house, nice car, vacations, trips, sex life sucked. Uh, our relationship sucked. I was coming home, just exhausted, going to sleep. Uh, we weren't communicating. And she's like, what, why did we do this? And that's kind of when I went into this journey into leadership and self-development to see how do I run an epic business and how do I have an epic relationship all at the same time? And that's where it started. And my brother gave me enough freedom to take courses and toy around in the pawn shop that um, at some point I just basically said, this is what I want to do. And we split amicably and now this is what I do full time. Awesome. So talk to me a little bit about pawn leaders, because <clears throat> let's start with the first thing that I, I was interested to learn was what's the percentage of pawn shops that are actually privately owned versus corporate, like bigger, bigger chains. So you have in the United States, because those are the numbers I know, you have about 12,000 pawn shops in total, of which three to 4,000 are corporately owned. Some of them own 1,000, 1,800, I mean, a lot of stores. You have about 7,500 uh, small mom and pop shops. Um, there's some big chains, 21 stores. He's one of my clients. Um, there's single operators who are doing, you know, eight figures a year. Um, so very small niche when it comes to physical locations. Got it. And you help them through developing leadership. We were talking before the call. I mean, we've talked a couple of times, um, but what you help them do is so revolutionary because you're not focusing on just how to make more money. You actually start with the customer and start with the culture of the pawn shop to grow them. So talk to me through like, what were some of the things that you started doing at your brother's store? And then what did you take out on your own? And what have you really helped people with now? So at first I was learning leadership so that I can implement it in my business and build a great culture to have more freedom, right? And so I would start, you know, we had meetings and now we would do games and culture creation and built a mission statement and vision and values and things were growing and we were having a good time doing it. And 
I would always just look back to all of the conventions I went to and the pawnbrokers were overweight. They were getting divorced. They were just getting, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this show or not. Um, you can let me know. But uh, they, they were being shit-faced, you know, every time they went out, um, they were just like alcoholic. And it was just like, it wasn't, I was like, yeah, they're making money, but their lives are falling apart. And I saw this with, uh, with a lot of, you know, the men in my family that were like, there wasn't freedom, overweight, stress, anxiety, overwhelm. Yeah, the bank accounts were fat, but so was their belly. And so um, I said, man, I think that if I want to make a difference, I need to go out here and, and first teach leadership. And mind you, Steve, I first went out and I taught, you know, I had real estate agents and insurance brokers as my clients. And then one of my mentors was like, Egal, you want to grow fast, niche down. And so I started a podcast, just niched into the pawn industry and went into like really teaching leadership and culture so that they would have freedom to open up their mind in order to make more money. So let's talk about, first off, that's awesome. Because that is that I think you see that challenge everywhere. People learn how to make money, but they they sacrifice everything else in their life to get there, and then they're m miserable. Money is not the root of all evil by any means. Like money can make you a whole lot happier if you use it correctly, but if that's the only thing you're after, then the rest of your life doesn't matter, right? Um, I want to talk about. So pawn shops, I think when most people think of a pawn shop, right, they think of the store that is back kind of hidden behind everything and they're going to go in and it smells stuffy and the employees probably all chain smoke out back and like, <laughs> they're not, you know, and like these guys are here to screw me over. They're not here to help me. How did you first off, like you said a couple words that you helped with you, you develop leadership in yourself first so that you could lead the team and build com company culture. What kind of culture do you build? You developed a mission statement. Do you remember, or can you give me what the mission statement was? Because I would think most pawn brokers would say, make money. And I think most people listening to this would be like, that's the mission of a pawn shop. So what so, was yours? So, so first and foremost, I have a saying that I tell myself and my clients, which is leading with baggage is misleading, right? So if you lead, with, if you walk in with so much baggage, to a team, then you're not really leading, right? There's lack of consistency. And, you know, I can give you a couple of examples of people who I've worked with when it comes to mission. We have one client who has 20 plus stores and their mission statement is to have the highest paid team in the, in the industry. That's their mission statement. So it's not about making money for themselves. It's about making money so that our team members can live incredible lives. And that's why they have 20 plus stores and, I think like 200 uh, team members now and they're growing at, you know, three stores are going to be built next year and just at this incredible pace. Some mission statements of other pawn shops are to serve our community uh, with their financial needs while building a successful business uh, for our team members, right? So yes, is there a percentage of pawn shops who are stingy and dusty and chain smoke outside and want to screw people? Yes, but that happens in every industry, right? coaches, consultants, lawyers, doctors, you always have the bad apples. But there's also a group of pawnbrokers who are doing incredible things, Steve. One of my clients just hit 4,800 five-star Google reviews. Nice. You can't do that by being stuffy, having bad culture, bad service, chain smoking in the back. 
So what, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I think that the building culture in any business is what is going to change the business because it changes it from the inside out. You can pay for some reviews. You can pay for a consultant to come in and do a makeover. You can change your colors. You can change how things look. But if the culture doesn't change, the business isn't going to change. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, like we were we were discussing, you have a mastermind that you run that is four pawn pawnbrokers. Mm -hmm. But then going into that, you actually make them take your course first, because yeah. if you just put somebody in the mastermind, there's such a state change that they can't handle it. So talk to me about uh, like the one, two, three things that they need to really start with to get traction and to understand the difference, because you're pretty much giving them a 180 degree massive shift. So the first three things that I speak about in leadership, I teach to my clients in the course, is clarity, courage, and commitment. Those are the three C's that I teach. And clarity comes from, you know, when my wife told me that she didn't get married to be alone. I had to look at myself in the mirror. I had to stop lying and say, okay, what isn't working here? A lot of times business owners, they just want to keep, you know, one foot in front of the other without stopping and just saying, what's not working for me here? You know, when you think about a Formula uh, F1 race, uh, every every car has to stop in the pit to get tires changed, oil changed, gas, and figure out what's not working in order to win the race. So in leadership, it's the same thing. You've got to stop, say what's not working, where do I want to be, and be able to fill in the gap with number two, which is the courageous action. What's the one thing that I'm willing to do that I'm going to go to war for to make that gap smaller? Um, and then number three, sorry, number three is, is commitment. Like if you don't commit to it, then it's just, a, uh, it's just a pipe dream. It's just, you know, you're just saying there's no integrity to it. So number three is commit to your word because lack of consistency breeds insecurity to your team. So if you're just making promises and you're not making them happen, then you're, you're putting fear into your team. Have you seen some patterns emerge with people that you've worked with? Because I would think most high power guys that run a business of some kind, whether it's a pawn shop or whether it is a restaurant or a coach, a consultant, a lawyer, a doctor, like I think they all deal at the same core thing. Like we look at culture, most people would say, I don't need leadership. I don't need culture. I need them to do what I say. And like, we both know that that is definitely not the way to lead a team. Have there been some patterns that have emerged that you've seen? You know, you, you mentioned that my wife is pregnant. We're having a baby next week. And the one thing that comes to mind, Steve, is that sometimes my wife says, hey, can you cut my toenails because I can't see my feet? That's the same thing with a business owner. They're worried about like the, the bulge, making the bulge bigger, making their stomach bigger, that they forget to see their feet. And so the pattern is, I'm paying you, just do what I say. But there's so much lack of clarity that the team member just says, okay, boss, and pretends to know what they're talking about. And then goes and does something that the boss gets upset and says, well, that's not what I wanted. My team doesn't, isn't working the way I want them to. I need a new team. No, the truth is you need a new you to be able to give so much clarity to your team that they know exactly what you want and need. That's, that is a hundred percent true. I've seen that when I consulted for restaurants, I saw the exact same thing. Managers, I just want them to do what, well, they don't know because you're not taking the time to lead them. You're not taking the time to show them exactly what it is. And that has to do with communication. Um, 
first and foremost, hundred percent. And you touched on that with your wife. Like the biggest thing in life is being able to communicate clearly and consistently and have open, honest communication. I think business owners sometimes can get egos as well. I've definitely seen that with doctors and chiropractors and dentists where, well, this is my business. This is what I do. My name's on the door. Like you're going to do what I say. Well, every, at the end of the day, every employee wants to do a good job, right? I mean, 99% of employees like love to hear you did a great job. I really appreciate that, which is something I bet you teach inside the leadership, right? When you build culture. So when I, yeah. So when I talk about clarity, courage, and commitment, it's not just in your actions, it's in your communication. Let's, I'll give you an example. Um, yeah. If you need to talk with somebody, it has to be clear communication. Uh, sometimes it's going to be a hard conversation to have. So you have to have a courageous conversation and you have to be committed to the outcome that both people leave better than when they came in, right? With your tasks, with, with whatever it is. So, you know, when you, when you're committed to growing your business, you also have to be committed to the growth of the team members within the business. And what we started realizing in the pawn shop is that when we committed to their growth, the profits were just easier to make. An example of this is, you know, we couldn't pay them a lot more money, but we got Dave Ramsey's um, financial university thing that he teaches. And we said, hey, we're going to buy this for everybody. Every week, we're going to get a phone call. We're going to teach you how to budget and just see how we can help you so you can save money. It was life-changing for some people. I didn't have to pay them more money. I just taught them something new that helped them in their lives. And I bet, I mean, that not only does that help them, but that helps you because those people love that. Like they feel like you care and you do care hundred percent. They're going to honestly probably be able to work for less money. If you need to cut back, if you need to cut somebody's hours or you need to give the pandemic happens and like, Hey, you know what? We have to cut back everyone's schedule, but I'm going to do whatever I can to make you guys whole and take care of you. They know you care. Yeah. Um, and for me, for me, caring is a big part of leadership. So there's something that's, you, if you over care, if you're getting too um, close, there's an issue, but then knowing that, knowing that you care about them makes a huge difference. Quick example is a lot of my team is in the Philippines and there was a typhoon yesterday, yep. no power for like, you know, 10 hours or whatever. And I just said like, Hey team, don't even worry about it. Like I'm covering that day. You're not going to lose out on the money. You know, one of my team members cried and they're like, you have no idea what it means. How am I going to take away their pay for something they have no control over? That's we had people in the pawn shop who would say, hey, my uncle died. Um, I got to take three days off. And we'd say, hey, no worries. You know, it's, it's paid. Go be with, don't, don't stress about the money. Go be with your family. Did it cost us a couple of bucks? Yeah, but when that person came back, they sold more than they ever did before. Nice. Except for it. So your overall goal, you started Pawn Leaders, you've started helping pawn shops. So you worked with, you were telling me, you, you have some, you have all the big names in the pawn business. You can't share all the names, but you have the largest, the largest pawn chain in the Western United States. You have the largest privately held in the US. Is that yep. correct? Yep. But something that's been on the back burner for you for a while is breaking out of the pawn industry and actually helping teach leadership and teach marketing to every small business owner, right? That's what's next on your plate. So what, what's the biggest thing that like, I know we've talked a lot, like we have a similar bag of tricks, but what is like one of the biggest things that you would teach a small business to start generating more revenue? 
Because I think a lot of people look at pawn shops and say, those guys know how to make money. So if there's a small business owner listening to this, what is a tip, tactic, something that you would give them? So first and foremost, there's a lot of pawn shops who aren't making a lot of money that are doing really, really bad. And they just don't know it. And they're not, uh, they're not admitting it. So the first thing I would give a business owner is we, we would work on the clarity, what's not working, right? But a tip that is ridiculously helpful is to find out what your customer acquisition cost is and your average customer value. So we always start with in the pawn industry. How much does it cost for a customer to come through the door? And what's the average dollar spend that that customer is spending with you over the period of time? Some examples of this really quickly is we have a pawn shop who their customer, average customer value, the spend over a year is over $400 and they were only spending seven to get them through the door. So I said, man, what if you spent some more money and spent $15, got double the amount of clients in and had more people spend money? And it just, it, it was never there. We, we turned on the switch and he's like, I never saw it that way. And when you see it that way also, Steve, you also look at like, wow, my average customer brings me $700 where does my customer service have to go to take it to the next level? So how do you figure, I mean, I love those two metrics. That's something I start with on every consulting call with a business that comes to me and says they want to make more money. That's actually where we go. What's your customer cost of acquisition and what's your average customer worth? And almost no one knows those answers. In the pawn industry, I think it would be interesting. How do you actually track I think you can, it's easy to track what they spend, but how do you track cost of acquisition? So cost of acquisition, we take all the marketing dollars divided by the new customer that came in. So in six months, if you spent, you know, $60,000 in marketing, you had X amount of new, like new customers who actually did a transaction with you. That's the, that's our cost of acquisition, right? Awesome. And it's, we've got $7 in the industry. I have one who has $180 uh, customer acquisition costs in the industry. Um, and once they start, so once you see what that takes, you start knowing what the ROI of your marketing is, where you're marketing, what's working, what's not, why it's not working, what you turn off, what you turn on, where do you put, you know, more gas uh, on the fire. And you start thinking in terms of, you know, a lot of small businesses are afraid to market their business because they don't know these numbers. That's that is hundred percent right. Um, when you don't know the number, you're like, oh, do I throw a thousand dollars at Facebook ads or do I put it over on Instagram or do I buy an ad in the paper? I don't know what's making me money and I'm sick of spending money. I'm just not going to do anything. And then your business actually goes down or you're, you're constantly chasing the next new thing. Well, I tried these things and they, I don't know what worked and what didn't. So let's try this over here. Or let's try Craigslist or let's try, you're always trying new things, right? Yeah. yeah. The second thing that you touched on, which I think is a huge thing. And I want to make sure to call it out. I want people to see this. Once you know what your customer's average spend is, you can then invest in customer service that gets them to spend more money. And in some cases, that cost might be cheaper than putting more money into customer acquisition. If you have, if your average customer spends, we'll say $100 for a round number, and you can spend $2 in training, or less money and give better customer service just through helping. And that person spends $200, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So what's, what, how do you turn that switch in the pawn industry? So 
you know, thankfully, uh, the people who are working with me, the switch has been turned on because I like, I jam it down their throats. It's so important. Right now, this year, a lot of the pawnbrokers in my mastermind are creating uh, Christmas gifts for their clients, like with a mug and a shirt and like a thank you. I have one client who, if they buy more jewelry, then he's going to do something in jewelry. If they buy more game systems, game like really personalizing the touch. And thankfully in the pawn industry, we know who our top hundred customers are. Like you can track that. It's not like a restaurant where you like just ring it up the, mm-hmm. the customer and you don't know. And, but a lot of like lawyers and uh, accountants and consultants, and you know who your top client is. And in order to serve them that much better, they become your ambassador. They start saying, Hey, you, you have to go with this person. Like don't go anywhere else. And that's a much better investment than upping your customer acquisition cost. Because that warm lead, the warm, you know, your friend telling you that they use this service is going to cut out the time of you actually using the service than if you see a Facebook ad. That's 100% true. And a Facebook ad is cold, whereas if somebody's telling them it's warm, like you're going to take that much, much more seriously. Yeah. I love we, it. We have, we have clients who, for example, um, if their customer acquisition cost is $150, they'll now give away a hundred bucks. So you as the client get 50 and the person that you refer to get $50 in shopping. So now they're bringing down their customer acquisition cost. Right. So are you guys listening to this, seeing how this works? Like it's, it's really easy to say it in theory, but Egal has just laid out some really tactical, really easy to implement things. Um, I want to talk about the challenge that you are getting ready to run depending on when this comes out, the challenge may have already started, but you're running a five-day challenge just to get pawnbrokers started with this stuff because it can be a little bit overwhelming. Can you take us through what those five days are going to look like and what you're actually focusing on? Because I think everybody that has a business can learn from these. I think they're really powerful and really easy. So pawnbrokers are always bargaining every single day. They're defensive every single day. So to get them to invest in something isn't, it's not easy. Like, I think that because I've done so well in pawn, when I go and I do something in a different, you know, arena, I'm going to be like, whew, this is a little bit easier, hopefully. But um, so the five days is just going to be marketing for the holidays. Like I want to teach them how to market their business. So they get more foot, foot traffic through the door, right? So first day, we're going to talk about customer acquisition cost and average customer value, why that's so important, right? We're going to talk about um, knowing who your avatar is, who's their customer. In the pawn industry, you get the person's ID so we know sex, age, race, address. I mean, all that information is there so we can export the avatar really, really well. And what to say to what type of avatar. Um, we're going to talk about you know creating content. Uh, pawn brokers aren't good at creating content. They just, they didn't have to. Before, you could be, a, you could be the schmuck on the street pawn broker and make money, but now it's totally different. So we're going to create content together, Facebook lives and ads and those types of things. Um, how to capture information. I teach my clients that email, they've got to take email, they've got to take this cell phone number for text message marketing and teach them why it's so important. Um, I teach them how to nurture the list. So email sequences and uh, those types of things. And then of course, I teach them how to make sales using marketing through everything that we spoke about. Awesome. I think that's, I mean, that, and that's going to be a five-day challenge. Um, where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you? Whether they have a pawn shop or not, is it different? 
Tell me a so, little bit about that. Yeah. So all of the content I create is for small business. Um, a lot of times I'll speak about pawn, but it's the same thing, right? Business is business is business. And you can find me at Egaladato, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it, I'm there. And I also just produce a lot of content on YouTube, um, which you and I have a uh, interesting bet going on or a challenge ourselves. And if we don't post something every single week, we owe the other person a hundred bucks, right? Yep. Um, that's been awesome, by the way. So that's for those of you who don't understand that, like if you want to change something, if they're saying, you know, you need to do work out every day, go for a run once in a while, whatever it is, find somebody that you can trust. And between me and Igal, it's a hundred bucks. If we don't post a YouTube video by Saturday night at midnight, we have to send the other person a hundred dollars at Saturday night at midnight. So there have been times where it is Saturday afternoon and we're both like, oh, we got to get this done. Um, it's called an accountability partner. They, I think I'm trying to remember what book I, I read about it years and years ago, but it's something that when I really want to get something done, you really want to move the needle. Um, it, it starts moving the needle and it has to be, it has to be for money. It has to be enough money that not, not a crazy amount of money, but enough money that it hurts a little bit. Um, yeah, like I, I sent you a hundred bucks one time and I was like, oh man, man, like that, that hurt. <laughs> hundred bucks. Yeah. You were like, oh, fail. And <laughs> but it, it teaches, I mean, it's accountability. That you is know what, you know what's so crazy, Steve, about that is that now my assistant, she'll ping me every Friday and be like, Hey, where's your what video are you using for YouTube? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But it gets it moving, right? Um, I mean, I to be honest, I have I think I have four of those going on right now. Nice. Um, just because it keeps it keeps it moving. Um, it keeps you. We all know how to make excuses in our head. I'm too busy. I have too much going on. I mean, Egal is one of the busiest guys that I know. He's. I mean, he's doing all kinds of stuff, but he always seems to get things done. And you want to, like, you want to see a successful person and somebody with no white space on their calendar that's getting moving the needle. Um. Egal, you have a Facebook group too. I want to touch on that really quick. Yeah. Um, can anybody join that? Just Pawn. So that Facebook group is like very much about Pawn. But what I want to talk touch on is if you have a Facebook group or if you're looking at it, is how to build like the, the audience, how to um, make people part of your tribe. And that's what I did very, very well in the Pawn industry. Uh, nobody had ever done it. Uh, I built a bigger list than some of the associations out there. And it was just, you know, this is about impact and income. And I just really wanted to make a change in the pawn industry. And when people realize that, they started to join. And when you show that you care, not just about your team, about like your community that you're serving, they see it. They see the honesty in that. And it really helped me in growing a, a great Facebook group. Um, I've got a lot of clients out of it. Um, it's just a good time. It's awesome. Um, I think I want to touch on one other thing because I just think the story, like I've seen you have setbacks or challenges and the way that you handle it versus the way I've seen other people handle similar challenges is, is different. You always seem to bring a, a sense of like, I wouldn't say peace or calm, but like, this is going to work out. I'm moving forward regardless. Um, I want to talk about you had you had one of your key employees leave you to go work for one of the associations. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Would you just 
she was the partner in the magazine. Yeah. Just talk about that just a little bit. Give the background and give what happened. Just because I want people out there that are like, I always lose good employees. That's why I don't build culture. Or I like, I don't, I don't want to put time into that because people quit. Or I always run into challenges and I can't ever seem to get traction. Like Egal hasn't had it easy at all. Broke rock star. Had to go work for his brother. Had to figure out how to make money. Had his wife, eight months into a marriage, sit him down and say, hey, this is not going the right way and I'm out if we don't fix it. Somehow has built a seven-figure business out of all of that. So talk to, but I think it really, I think the story will really help show how you handle it in your attitude. So even before this person that we're talking about, you know, in the pawn business, we had our office manager embezzle money. We had a longtime employee of 15 years steal money. Um, this, this person decided to jump ship really quick, went to go work somewhere else, left like she was doing most of the most of the lifting in this magazine that I had put out, spent a lot of money on, and just just left. And you know, for many years, Steve, I used to take things very personally, right? And after a lot of therapy because I, I truly believe in therapy. After reading books like The Four Agreements, I've just come to the realization that, you know, this isn't against me. Um, this is there, this is, you know, with them. And I just need to keep moving forward. You know, my father has Parkinson's, my mom had a stroke. Um, a lot of things have happened in my life. But if I sit here and say like, woe is me, woe is me, it's just gonna stop my momentum. And that's not what I want. I wanna keep moving forward for, you know, my two daughters, my wife and the, third daughter that's coming on Monday. Um, I want to, I've got dreams and aspirations of what I want to do. And the truth is, you know, my mission is to build a legion of leaders so that my daughters grow up in a better world. That's my personal mission. How can I do that? If I see you thinking like, oh, they tried to screw me or, oh, you know, this failed. I had a magazine that, that I, I shut down after the second edition. I had a, an event that we, with my brother, we spent $35,000 on that four people showed up to. I mean, I've got through some crazy stuff. But every successful person that I speak with, they're not like, oh, it's been awesome. Right? Oh. They say, I've had challenges. I've lost money. I've done things. And so for me now, it's just like, I'm just not going to take it personally anymore. Unless somebody like, listen, I've been screwed, like personally screwed. And I'll just be like, that sucks. It happens. Let's, let's move forward. I mean, that's exactly it. Like next, right? I mean, it's... I. One of my biggest realizations um, when I was getting started, I remember listening to Russell Brunson speak and I just thought he was like, I was just like, oh, he just turns on the faucet. Like he just does everything, right? He showed how many funnels he had launched. He launched 2,500 funnels. Less than 10% of them had broke even. Less than 7% made money. So like you think about that for a second, he just kept going. And like, I'm glad you brought up the four agreements. I recommend that book to everybody because the fact, if you haven't read the book, it's like 80 pages. Just don't like what somebody does has nothing to do with you and everything to do with their lens of the world. The people that embezzled from you, they weren't trying to hurt you. They needed money and they thought you had it. Right. I mean, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not placing blame. I'm just saying they didn't do it to hurt you. Yes. You got hurt by it. Yeah. And it's upsetting. Same with the person that left you, like the way that you handled that person leaving you. I just remember the post 
that you put in the group about it. We're in a small group together. And Egal put a post and he just said, you know, I'm just wishing her well. It definitely hurts. I'm trying to figure out how to fix it and how to manage it. Um, but I'm just moving forward and I wish her well. I sent her, you know, a, a good luck message and I'm moving on. And that's the end of it. You know, Steve, I actually called her um, at some point. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm not angry. Like, I, I forgive you. Like, whatever you think, like, I just want that bad energy to go away so that I can move forward. And she, she was, she was shocked. She's like, I, she's like, I knew you were going to be pissed. I'm like, I, I was for a moment, but then I'm like, what good is that being upset going to do for me? So talking about the four agreements, um, anybody who goes through, through my six week course, uh, I send them like a welcome packet and the book's in there. Like you got to read this book because it changes the perception of bad employees, good employees doing it to me or not. In the pawn industry, you're dealing with a lot of customers who are negotiating all day long and you get upset sometimes. And so it's not what they're trying to do to you. Like you said, it's their perception of the world. That's, that is it. Um, I mean, they, the, the one other thing that you brought up is forgiving somebody has everything to do with you and your energy around it. Because if you're not forgiving somebody like, this this goes beyond business or pawn or any of it. If you're holding a grudge and you're angry at somebody and you haven't forgiven them, that's keeping you up at night. Yeah. That's causing you problems. That's causing you a lot of stress. And that's stopping you from moving forward in your life. Like whoever whoever is listening to this, like right now you probably had two or three things come up. I know I did right away, right? Like who am I holding a grudge? Why am I angry about that? Like just forgive them and move on. I had, I mean, I had a friend of mine tell me, he said, you being, you being angry is your ego just wanting attention. It's yes. trying to make you feel important. He's like, stop it. It's like, so you're not that important. <laughs> I mean, I look at so many people that have made it like seven, eight figure businesses that they have, they have moved beyond that very quickly. Most of them, yeah. not all of them, but anyway. Egal, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I know you dropped uh, social media stuff earlier. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with him if you need help with leadership, if you have a pawn shop that you want help with, um, or if you just want to have a really good conversation with a cool guy that used to be a rock star. <laughs> Egal is awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Steve. It's an honor, brother. Love you. And uh, thank you for listening for everybody who has. Thanks for tuning into today's show. Are you looking for a way to produce powerful content that creates quality leads and can scale your business from 3K to 10K and beyond? If so, head over to storiesthatscale.com and pick up your free templates today. These free templates will show you the five core stories that will help your business scale that you can tell across social media, email, and YouTube. Anywhere you need content, these templates will help you out and they're free at storiesthatscale.com. Or if you know you want my help building out your content and monetization strategy, head over to steven.coffee and book my time today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.